to When God Was Queer with your host, Dakota St. Clair. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of When God Was Queer. I'm your host, Dakota St. Clair, and I'm so glad to finally be getting this project off the ground. So, what are we doing here? What's it all about? Well, When God Was Queer is actually a class that I've been teaching for years, which seeks to explore the history, the myths, the legends, which can act as reflections of queer and trans identities and experiences. These stories are as vital as they are vibrant, and that they show that we as queer individuals are not only ancient, we've been here forever, but that we are divine. This whole venture was inspired by a quote I came across years ago by the wonderful Junot Diaz. You guys know about vampires? Diaz asked. You know vampires have no reflection in a mirror? There's this idea that monsters don't have reflections in mirrors. And what I've always thought isn't that monsters don't have reflections in mirrors. It's that if you want to make a human being into a monster, deny them at the cultural level any reflection of themselves. And growing up, I felt like a monster in some ways. I didn't see myself reflected at all. I was like, is something wrong with me? that the whole society seems to think that people like me don't exist. And part of what inspired me was this deep desire that before I died, I would make a couple of mirrors, that I would make some mirrors so that kids like me might see themselves reflected back and might not feel so monstrous for it. And that's what I'm seeking to do here. One's gender, one's sexuality, one's identity intrinsically affects every way that they understand and interact with the world around them. Religious and spiritual experiences are no exception. In fact, when it comes to the divine, how it is depicted, and who can see themselves reflected, these mirrors become all the more vital. It becomes plainly obvious that it's easier to demonize and depress others when the divine is only imagined as a reflection of the oppressor. One of the things that has been most inspiring to me in creating this podcast is just how many stories there are for us to share with each other in which gender and sexuality are examined or experienced outside of the established oppressive norms. And it's also the tone and the tenor of these stories that we choose to tell each other. I'm not going to tell stories which include us just to cast us as the villain or as the target of misfortune and suffering and death. We're better than a scapegoat or a sacrifice. Now, let me tell you a little about myself. Uh, like I said, my name's Dakota. I'm 30. I'm an Aries. I live in Brooklyn with my fiance, who is also an Aries, and our three cats. And I'm one of the owners of Catland Books, the city's premier witch shop. I'm a witch, a diviner, and an educator, and one of my deepest passions has always been the gods. I'm what you call an omnitheist. I believe in the gods. To me, they are all real, separate, and autonomous. But even more so, I believe that each culture, each people's respective gods, goddesses, and deities are their sacred standard bearer in one way or another. 
The gods reflect us, our values, and our taboos. Their stories hold as much information within them about human history and human understanding of life itself as they do about the gods. Speaking of human history, I want to talk a bit about how we got here. You see, we have undergone massive cultural shifts in the last 30 years, and whenever there's flux, there's fallout. What I'm specifically referring to is that the mass acceptance, or at least tolerance, of us queer folks has largely come after major shifts caused by new atheism in the 90s and the aughts. This shift in mainstream secular thinking was as empowering as it was divisive. To make it simple, new atheism largely endorsed and otherwise demanded the acceptance of at least white cisnormative gays and lesbians, because the only people who had a real problem with them were the religious right and the caricature drawn of these people. You know, the Bible thumpers, religious nutjobs, the Westboro Baptist Church. In one way, this was great as it truly demonstrated the total lack of a coherent secular argument against us. However, what it also did was very much define religion and religious experience as belonging to those same Bible thumpers and nutjobs, which meant that we as queer folks basically had nowhere to go. We were supposed to be atheists or agnostics. Uh, maybe we're spiritual, but not religious. But there was no real room left for us to explore the spiritual part of our human experience with any real seriousness or investment. Then, things shifted again, as things do. You see, nature hates a vacuum, and history does, of course, have a way of repeating itself. Let's do a little history lesson. We'll take, you know, quick and dirty the last 500 years. We'll start with the Age of Reason. Following the Renaissance, the Age of Reason was an intellectual and philosophical movement which dominated Europe and, by extension, America from the 1600s to the 1800s. Many credit Sir Isaac Newton's Principia Mathematica's publication in 1687 as the catalyst, while others look to the French Revolution and the end of the Ancien Regime as the opening salvo. The Enlightenment undermined the ironclad authority of the church, and it paved the way for the social and political revolutions of the 17 and 1800s. Among others, it centered on concepts like the sovereignty of reason and logic, the scientific method, and the evidence of the senses as the primary sources of knowledge and understanding. Ideas like individual liberty and religious freedom, constitutional government, and the separation of church and state began to take hold, which were in direct contradiction to the absolute monarchy by divine right of the Middle Ages and Renaissance. Born out of this was the First Industrial Revolution, which occurred roughly between 1760 and 1840. It was the Industrial Revolution, which in many ways brought the Enlightenment down to the commoner, as it had until then pretty much been exclusive to the intellectual and scholastic elite. Interestingly, during these times, uh, as the church was battered with challenges from science and academia, it was actually still reeling from the Protestant Reformation and the resulting Counter-Reformation. Martin Luther had thrown down the gauntlet in 1517 when he published his 95 Theses, through which he criticized the church for, you know, among other things, its political corruption, and he also challenged their dogmas and their interpretation of doctrine. 
throw in the printing press, you've got yourself a revolution. This means that by the time of the Enlightenment, the church was already somewhat on the back foot and no longer held a stranglehold on the totality of religious experience that it had once enjoyed. So what was a newly enlightened and reasonable people to do as they sought spiritual and religious experience in their lives? Enter spiritualism, a religious movement which occurred from the 1840s to the 1920s. Spiritualists essentially held two beliefs, that spirits remained and could be contacted, and that spirits were not static copies of the living person they had once been, but that they would continue to develop and evolve while in the spirit world, which led to a third belief, that spirits could ostensibly be considered moral and ethical betters, which could and should be consulted. By 1887, there were in fact uh, said to be about 8 million spiritualists in the U.S. and Europe. There had been official seances held at the White House by Mary Todd Lincoln, and with the Civil War in recent memory and World War I about to break out, the numbers of grief-stricken loved ones populating seance tables was looking to increase dramatically. Even after the publication of the Seabird Commission the same year, which was an independent investigation of spiritualism, and it actually alleged widespread fraud, chicanery, and charlatanism, its appeal still remained strong, and its following was massive. However, it was a widespread movement with no canonical texts, no formal organization, and no agreed-upon doctrine or dogma, which led invariably for it to splinter and eventually wane. Now, was Christianity gone during this time? No, by no means. Historians and theologians identify three or four waves of increased religious enthusiasm occurring between the early 18th century and the late 20th century, collectively known as the Great Awakening. However, this is the first instance with spiritualism in which a new tradition, belief, or religion would spring up in the wake of massive secular advancement. And it is this process which has been repeated multiple times and which we are currently living through ourselves. For a more recent example, look at the Atomic Age in World War II and how it was followed by the counterculture revolution and the New Age movement of the 60s and the 70s. There is a pendulum swing between extremes. We make massive amounts of technological and secular advances and then yearn for the spiritual dimension of our lives to be fulfilled and run headlong into the next fad or zealous wave or new cult. So where does that leave us now? Well, it wasn't just the new atheists that made a lot of progress. We entered the Age of Information, which was an unparalleled advancement since basically the printing press, and the advent of globalism. And the resulting pendulum swing? The massive shift towards witchcraft, paganism, earth-centered worship, and non-traditional religious practices and belief systems. And just as spiritualism was rife with charlatans and con artists... So too is the current moment. So, I want to talk about what we're not going to do in this podcast or in this series. It's crucial that we maintain understandings of social, political, cultural, and religious context when we approach the history, iconology, and the very real existence of each of these spirits. We must remember that there has never been any shortage of deities or spirits who look like us or love like us, so the onus remains upon us not to constantly settle for the lowest hanging fruit. 
That means we must respect each individual spirit and the culture and people in which it is rooted. You can't simply just decide that in your head canon, some ancient goddess is queer and therefore it suddenly is true. There is a fine line between saying that these spirits reflect who we are and that they represent who we are. They're not team mascots. Simply because something looks gay or queer or trans to us as Westerners does not mean we're correct, let alone that we have the right to proclaim this hot take as fact. It's irresponsible and unethical to attempt to strip these individual spirits of their culturally, sociopolitically, and historically entrenched roots. It's the height of tone-deaf, privileged, neocolonialist attitudes which whitewash the world to fit our narratives and our consumption. This is not about consumption. It's about appreciation. We are going to observe throughout this series many spirits from all over the world who could be understood as a divine reflection of us. They look like us. They love like us. They live like us. And that's enough. We are not going to search for scraps either. Thor putting on a dress once doesn't make him trans. So let's not stop at the very shiny plastic floating on the water's surface. Let's dive deep and search out the pearls. Lastly, I want you to know that I'm going to do my absolute best to present you thoroughly researched stories. I'm not an academic, nor am I a historian. I barely graduated high school and I never got to go to college. But I'm queer, New York's under quarantine, and I've got Google, damn it. So thanks again for joining me for episode zero. Next week, we'll get started with episode one in the beginning, where we're going to take a look at nearly a dozen different creation myths from all over the world, which feature the primal androgen as their central figure and prime mover. I hope you'll join me for it. And until then, be gay, do crime, and remember, the gods are always watching. Bye.